war in Ukraine, COVID, the Biden presidency, and the elections. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Best lawn ever, guaranteed. Contact Lawn Doctor of Rhode Island today. Now, you can call them, 401-392-1025. Get a quick, easy quote. The best thing to do, Lawn Doctor of Rhode Island. They have a great website. It's easy, lawndoctor.com, lawndoctor.com. Then just put in your zip code. Get a quick, easy a quote. Your best lawn ever, guaranteed. Take Get part of their premium eight service program. Early spring, spring lime, late spring, summer, Grub prevention, early fall, fall, late fall, Lawn Doctor, online at lawndoctor.com. You're listening to the John DePietro Show, folks. It's weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. can always listen online at the website, dePietro.com. This portion of the program brought to you by Ron's Pastry Gourmet. Make it a great day. Come on, Ron's Pastry Gourmet, the freshest calzones, what are you doing for lunch? Stop it and see them. 170 Royal Little Drive in Providence. Just plug that into your GPS. They're also they're the only ones in the area that have Trump 2024 chocolate donuts. And the Let's Go Brandon donuts. But on top of that, the most delicious calzones. Pepperoni and cheese calzones. Um, they also have steak and cheese calzones. Buffalo chicken calzones. All different kinds. Plus, old-fashioned pizza strips. In spinach pies, wimpy skimpies, Ron's Pastry Gourmet, plus pies, everything baked fresh. They're open Tuesday through Saturday from 7 in the morning till 2 o'clock. Ron's Pastry Gourmet, 170 Royal Little Drive in Providence, right off of Silver Spring Street, next to AAA in Providence. Stop in and see them. Well, Channel 12 had, uh, they're continuing. I want to applaud WPRI Channel 12 just for, they're the only ones that are doing these polls. And they've teamed up with Roger Williams. And this is an interesting they have that Rhode Island Democrats apparently don't want President Biden to run for uh, another term in 2024. And there's a lot of speculation about that. And I'm going to explain the dangers with this. But I want to play it simply because whether we like it or not, Rhode Island, this is one of the area, the states that he won handily. So let's hear the uh, Channel 12 piece about president biden again in 2024 and their answer may surprise you 12 news politics editor ted nisi is here now with those exclusive results ted well remember our poll surveyed only democrats and democratic leaning independents two groups you'd expect to support biden but even they aren't sold on him running for re-election so help me god congratulations mr president Joe Biden was 78 when he was sworn in as president last year, making him the oldest person ever to take the oath of office. That fact has fueled speculation Biden might not seek a second term, though the White House insists he does plan to run. In our new 12 News Roger Williams University poll, we asked 400 likely Democratic primary voters in Rhode Island whether the party should nominate Biden for president again in 2024. 41% say someone else should be the Democratic nominee in two years, while only 40 percent say they want biden to seek re-election and 17 percent aren't sure if i'm joe biden these are not the numbers i'm looking for i'm looking for like 60 65 percent 12 news political analyst joe fleming conducted the survey you would expect joe biden to do well with this group no question about that i was a little surprised with these results fleming notes that more than half of independent voters surveyed want biden to step aside they may think joe biden you know is some people might think he's too old uh, that they want to see a change in there. They feel that the best way to win the, to, to keep the White House would be to have a nom- another nominee up there. The poll isn't all bad news for Biden. 60% of Democratic primary voters in Rhode Island say he's doing an excellent or good job as president, what? while 37% say his performance is just fair or poor. Huh. Fleming says that suggests many Democratic-leaning voters would still support Biden in 2024, even if they'd prefer someone else to run. These people are not saying, I will not vote for Joe Biden. Most of these people will probably still vote for Joe Biden, but they're saying, let's give somebody else an opportunity to run for president. So which Democrats might run if Biden doesn't? Some of the names being floated include Vice President Kamala Harris, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren, and and even Biden's Commerce Secretary, former Rhode Island Governor Gina Raimondo. Ted Nisi, 12 News. Well, a lot of people are going to be surprised at that, but they shouldn't be. Uh, Raimondo has cultivated 
a lot of important allies in Washington and also within the media. Um, you have to look at who else is out there. I recognize, uh, again, th this is sometimes common where people in Rhode Island may say, what? Gina Raimondo, look at, you know, low approval rating, what she did. But you have to you have to like step back and then picture her entering a room and in the room are people that are you know in another state undecided voters let's stick with just democrats for a moment and let's just say they're having some kind of a forum and it's you know up on the dais is is Ramundo and the vice president harris and and maybe even elizabeth warren and then mayor pete you know you put commerce secretary Ramundo in that crowd and without question there are people that we'd say hey you know she seems she's moderate choice she's got a business background seems to have like a, a take charge type attitude so if president biden doesn't run for re-election i i think you will see and and there will be people encouraging her as a matter of fact and she's remember she's cultivated a lot of powerful friends mike bloomberg's in her corner now first of all as far as president biden i mean he he's not going to run but the reason they're not going to say that is because then the final two years of this term he's going to be a lame duck now i believe he's going to be a lame duck anyway because the amount of uh gains that the republicans are going to make taking over the house and the senate but what he doesn't want to do is become a lame duck within his own party so if he announces he's not running then he really can't i mean he's having trouble getting anything done now but then that's when people start to abandon and then he really goes to the back burner i don't think he will seek re-election i think he's just saying that i think sometime after the midterms i mean listen it's a disaster right now and this is may um can you even imagine just how bad this situation is it, with president Biden, how, how bad it's going to be you know in in uh, over a year he he is failing fast it's just it's not there and and they they may try to they would like a graceful way there isn't going to be a graceful way the only way there'd be a grace listen i think it's going to come down to this if he does say he's going to run then he's going to face a primary and then he doesn't want that so that that's what might force him off the stage so the country is going to have to suffer through this and then it's going to be complete turmoil because once again it's it's going to be an open seat for democrats and obviously you know this could be really interesting for 24 because then you have um you know what you had in in 16 which was you know a complete but this time you'd have even more you'd have more democrats the way you did in in 20 but then you'd also have on the republican side you know president trump you can't ignore that president trump would be the front runner but nothing nothing is automatic so um but and, and so i think there still be republicans and be some kind of a primary so 24 could really be both sides having competitive primaries you are listening to the john DePietro show you're listening to the John DePietro Show, folks. It's AM 1380, 99.9 .9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. As you know, we've been talking about the border. Joining us right now, retired captain from the Texas Department of Public Safety Intelligence, Counterterrorism Division. He is an expert. It is Jason Jones. And uh, Jason, as we are now getting into late May, people are very concerned about the situation at the southern border. Well, John, good morning. It's good to be with you. And the truth is they should be concerned. How is it that for just the month of April alone, the United States Customs and Border Protection apprehended 234,000 people? Of that, we know that at least just shy of 58,000 known gotaways made it into the country, meaning that a Border Patrol agent saw an individual cross into the United States illegally, a sensor picked them up, or a sign on the ground of their footprints were picked up, and those were counted. So I get the concern. And then not just that, since fiscal year 22 started, beginning in October, in the last seven months, CBP has apprehended just shy of 1.3 million people. And that has caused a real tipping point in Cascade events taking place where we now see back-to-back -back pursuits we see bailouts we see splashdowns into the river we see index crimes occurring 
along these southern states at unprecedented levels. And not only that, for those of you up north, you see it and feel it differently, but you feel it in the realm of overdose deaths from fentanyl and methamphetamine. Now, Jason, what exactly is the Biden administration, uh, what are they doing to try to stop this onslaught? Nothing. I mean, I, I just want to be completely honest. Our government has caused this. And you have to ask yourself, what are the drivers and why? What is the why? What has caused this to all of a sudden begin under the Biden administration? Well, you know, it's the policies. When you when you communicate to the world that if you come to the United States, you'll be able to stay in the country. And then the, that perception goes out. They then come and then they're allowed to stay. And then they call their family back home to countries all over the world. And this is how it works. And then you have the alien smuggling organizations, the Mexican cartels, and the long-haul smugglers all along the route on social media and everything else telling them the same exact thing. No worries. If you want to go to the United States, we will get you in the country. Those are the true drivers. So when you ask me what is, the, what is DHS doing to stop this? The answers are not doing anything. Their answer to this is that we're going to process people quicker and faster. That's another part of those push-pull factors that's driving people to come in. Folks, again, we're speaking with uh, Jason Jones, retired captain from the Department of Public Safety, Intelligence, Counterterrorism Division. He also uh, has communication daily with law enforcement members and intelligence community. Now, Jason, what about the fact, if you wouldn't mind just describe for people, if it's bad now, what happens at the border as we get into June, July, and August? Sure. And, and listen, the, this this is a great question. We, we're we seeing numbers we've never seen before. You have to remember, you know, the winter months are the times of the lowest migration because historically people don't migrate outside their country of origin during the winter. They do that mostly during the summer months. And you can see that in the U.S. Customs and Border Protection data uh, going back every single year, year after year. This year is different, and so was last year because of these policies. And, you know, when we're talking about 234 apprehensions for the month of April, now that the heat is hitting, but if you look even back to March, there was 221,000 apprehensions. John, these are numbers I've never seen in my entire career because we've never had policies like this. And, you have to ask yourself, okay, why? And I'll give you a great example. We've seen some huge demographic shifts. We're seeing right now more Cubans, more Nicaraguans, and more Venezuelans than we have ever seen crossing. So what's the why to that? Well, DHS has said that if they come, they're going to receive a humanitarian parole into the United States. Those are the ones also getting the cell phones that you're hearing about. So that's the magnet. I mean, it's the reason when you make those policies under the Department of Homeland Security and then you communicate that and then they cross and they communicate that back to their countries of origin. This is the shift. And so as DHS makes other changes, you're going to continue to see that as well. And I'll give you a great example. Why are we seeing so many Haitians, Africans, people from Middle East countries coming that where we've never seen these numbers as well? Well, they're giving a notice to appear by the Department of Homeland Security. So when you have no deterrence and you've created these perceptions, it just continues. But what really concerns me while we're talking about the lens of immigration, what we are not addressing is the lens of national security and how what's happening impacts the folks listening across this country. John, we're at 107,000 overdose deaths from the, uh, 2021 for the entire 12-month period. We have never been here as a country. So you have to say, well, then why is that occurring? Well, how do you link that to an unsecure border? Here's how. Because when Border Patrol, who operates between the ports of entry along your southwest border, when they adjust from a national security model, meaning trying to hold the line against all illicit commodities crossing, and they transition to a processing model, meaning that as 150-plus people are pouring in, all resources that they have go to that because they have to process them very quickly. I mean, John, I saw a 20-day-old child. You can't leave them in 105-degree weather hmm. uh, just a, few, just a few, uh, week and a half ago. You can't leave that child in 105-degree weather very long, so they have to process very quickly. So what does that do? That allows the cartels, specifically CJNG and Sinaloa, who's moving more deadly fentanyl and methamphetamine than any other hyperviolent cartels in Mexico, to send more of that product. So it's a consequence of an unsecure border 
the the immigration issue, but most importantly, the part that is forgotten. And this is what really bothers me the most. No one's talking about the implications of the unsecure border to the overdose death crisis that Americans in the north are feeling much more in the south. But down here, we feel it in the realm of human smuggling and human trafficking because we're seeing tectonic shifts toward that. So these index crimes impacting the American people, have you noticed you hear nothing from DHS Secretary Mayorkas and you hear nothing about that from the federal agencies? And that's what bothers me the most. Folks, he is retired captain, Texas Department of Public Safety Intelligence, Counterterrorism Division, Jason Jones. Jason, great job as always. Stay safe and we'll talk to you again. Great to be with you, John. Thanks for having me. J. Perry Paving. Folks, you can depend on J. Perry Paving. They provide high-quality, fair-pricing, exceptional service over 20 years' experience, specializing in commercial paving, residential paving, seal-coating patios, and much more. Call them today for a free quote, 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. They are tremendous. They also, how about this, once a month, they provide a free paved driveway to a veteran. And remember, whether it's a brand new paving project or just a cracked driveway that needs to be refreshed, call J. Perry Paving for a free quote. It makes a huge difference in your property, in your home, in your driveway or patio. 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. 401-732-1730. You can also find them on Facebook. They're terrific. Hey, get that driveway paved. Call and book an appointment now, 401-732-1730 for J. Perry Paving. You are listening to the John DePietro Show, folks. Weekdays, we start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. It's time for our legal segment. Joining me, one of Rhode Island's top attorneys, he is legal expert attorney Tim Dodds. And Tim, if you don't mind, I'd like to just start off with this Alex Jones lawsuit i know that uh i'm sure the alex jones and his crew would love this thing to go away but they uh, can wish all they want it is not going away it's not going to go away it's going to go forward there's going to be an enormous uh, financial judgment and as we've discussed in the past it's doubtful that um to the extent a judgment sticks to alex jones personally or it's a judgment against corporations or other business entities which he has a financial interest in, to the extent that it sticks to him personally, uh, it's doubtful that it would be dischargeable in bankruptcy. So he would have a hard time, let's say, going bankrupt, wiping the state slate clean of whatever financial judgment might be out there so that he can start over again if these potential judgments would be deemed non-dischargeable um, in that event, they would dog him for forever and he mm. could not reorganize and get out from under the financial um, weight that he's likely to be under. Uh, would he try to reorganize? He'll try, try to put some of the corporations into chapter 11s, etc. But for himself personally, um, I don't think he can wriggle off this hook. Yeah. And Tim, the, the, the families, they, it, it just doesn't seem that it's like, they're not even to me. It's not even like they're looking to settle. They want to punish him and harm him. This is not to me, a typical case where maybe there's a, a certain dollar amount that could make the whole thing go away. I, I, I don't think that's what they're looking for here. No, I, I think that what he has done to these families yeah. is despicable. Um, I don't know how one says the things that he's been saying for years, uh, knowing that the statements are untrue. So he either, again, knew that they were untrue or made the statements with reckless disregard to whether the statements were true or not. These families of people, little, little children that were murdered uh, senselessly have been dragged through all sorts of um, accusations and innuendos, um, you know, had to move, had to change phone numbers, had to change everything about themselves because they were getting harassed, threatened, etc., by people who listened uh, allegedly to Alex Jones yeah. and what he was putting forth with his um, media broadcast. 
before, not before, but at a point along the way, if you recall, I think Alex Jones offered each, the family of each victim, two and a half million dollars a victim or something along those lines. And the family was like, no way. Yeah. Um, you're, so I think there, is it nice to get money? Sure. But these families, I don't think are chasing money for the sake of money. I think yeah. they are looking to punish this guy and to put him under and to um, wipe him out financially and wipe him out as a corporate entity and wipe him out as a guy who has any traction at all and any following at all in any social media or other form of, you know, broadcast that he engages in. I think they want him out of business. I also just want to point out to the listeners, because I've heard from, hear from people sometimes saying, you know, there were other people as well. You just keep talking about Alex Jones. That is true. He's the most high profile, but there was an author in, you know, just so people listening understand there was an author in Chicago that wrote a book saying the Sandy Hook never happened. They went after him. And I think he ended up, he made like 450000 off the book and he had to forfeit the 450000 So that's more to the, just the listeners. I, I recognize there have been other people, but Jones was definitely kind of the front runner, the ringleader, certainly made the most noise out of it. And, and that's why he's also the most high profile. Tim Dodd, speaking of high profile um, trials, Amber Heard was, was on the stand. And I, I don't think it, you know, it's interesting how, um, you know, it, it, it's it's completely different ball game when then, you know, they start being questioned by the other side. Yeah, and and with any trial, every trial, you can plan and you can uh, prepare witnesses. You can do all kinds of things, um, but the case never quite goes the way anyone predicts that it's going to go. And this was a, a very bad several days for the Amber Heard team. Um, I remember speaking to you a week ago. I thought Amber Heard on direct was doing a great job. She was composed. She was talking to the jury. She was looking at the jury. She was making eye contact. You know, she had a very um, nice, benevolent. She's an actress. Yes. However, on cross, she, this got, she got tuned up and, the optics were terrible. Her demeanor was terrible. Um, the uh, attorney on the uh, DEP team, um, her name is Camille Vasquez, took uh, Amber Heard's lawyer to school. She oh. gave her a class in the rules of evidence. Um, DEP's attorney, um, Camille Vasquez, was terrific. And the attorney who was trying to redirect Amber Heard after she had gotten beat up on cross was asking leading questions, objection leading, sustained. Uh, Asking all kinds of crazy questions, objection relevant, sustained, objection hearsay, sustained, over and over and over again. Now, any first year law student knows about asking leading questions Amber Heard's paying her attorneys, I've got to believe, hundreds if not thousands of dollars an hour per attorney. And the lawyer on redirect, it couldn't have been a tactic because a jury sees a lawyer up there fumbling and bumbling, not able to get a question out, uh, shuffling around pieces of paper. And one of the things, if, if any of us did it in Rhode Island, um, it, it wouldn't be a pleasant day. You make your, you state your question. The other side objects. The judge says, objection is sustained. This lawyer for Amber Heard kept saying, but judge. And, try, yeah. and, and the judge would say, I've ruled. Ask your next question. Right. And over and over again, this lawyer for Amber Heard kept trying to argue the the sustainability of the objection that was raised you really don't do that and you really shouldn't do that in front of a jury you hope that there's that scene in a few good men tim dodd where demi moore says your honor i object objection uh overruled uh objection sustained i strongly object (laughs) but but but, where are you going with this i didn't understand what was that tactic either it, it it really, really was a poor showing. 
And one would hope that if a lawyer is fumbling around a bit, or a lot in this case, that the jury won't hold it necessarily against the client. But you got to think, as her counsel is up there trying to coach her and lead her back to a friendly subject area and trying to um, suggest answers in the questions that you can't do, um, the jury's got to be taking note of this thing. What the heck is this lawyer doing? I mean, this yeah. is ridiculous. One last thing. When Amber Heard was on cross-examination and Attorney Vasquez was doing a terrific job, yep. Amber Heard was not the calm, cool, collected person. She no. was visibly pissed off. She yep. was shaken. And when you're looking at the jury giving your narrative story on direct, very friendly, very nice, it's, it's a good optic. But when she's lying and evading questions and right. giving answers that really are evasive, she kept doing the same thing. She's looking, she'd listen to the question, then she'd look at the jury and, while she gave her answer. Now, when you're clearly lying or ev being evasive, and each one of these answers, which you can tell she's ticked off and she's kind of in a corner, she kept talking right to the jury. So over and over, she's looking at the jury and lying to them. So all of those good optics about making eye contact and giving a friendly story and talking to the jury last week when she was on direct all went out the window. If I was yes. on the jury, she keeps, and kept looking at me, giving answers which are cl clearly BS or evasive. Um, it's not a good tactic to look at the jury and lie to them over and over. Yeah. Tim, Dad, two other quick things about that. One is I thought the TMZ stuff was very effective where they're basically saying she gave the tape of Johnny Depp to TMZ. The other thing I've noticed outside the courtroom, it really has turned into fans cheering him. And, you know, just the optics of that. I don't think, you know, we, again, jurors are, are people too. Johnny Depp, when he's outside that courtroom, that is like a rock star welcome that he gets from his fans and they're all cheering for him. I think that I believe that's the type of thing that kind of they absorb after a while. I think right now, Tim Dodd, that the trial is going very well for Johnny Depp. Yes. I, do I think that where there's smoke, there's fire? Do I think he was a perfect husband? Do I think his conduct was out of control when he was abusing drugs and alcohol? Yes. Do I think he hit her? I don't know. Maybe he yeah. did. Maybe he didn't. And I'm not judging that. But no matter what, I think he gets his career back. Yes. I think that he'll be back making movies. Um, there's going to be enough doubt about whether he did or didn't do what Amber Heard claims that he did. Yeah. I, one other thing I thought that uh, Depp's team used very effectively. I'm not sure if it was from the divorce proceeding or just the deposition in this case, but there was a deposition of Amber Heard from, I think, 2017, 2018. Yep. She looked much different. Um, she looked like now she's wearing business suits and her hair's all tied up and she's trying to look professional. In her deposition, she looked like a totally different person. Yes, I saw that. Yeah. And her demeanor was totally, totally different. Yep. She was bitchy. Yeah. She was flip with uh, the attorneys asking her questions, she was rolling her eyes, she was smirking in between questions in a few places. She looks like she's popping like chocolates in her mouth or something. Yeah. And you see a person, an actress, in a totally different forum when she's yep. in some law office being deposed. That's right. When she never maybe thought that this case was going to be broadcast all over the world right. and now she's trying to put on a different mask and present a different picture of herself yes. i think when the jury sees that deposition portion and then sees this portion now they're yes. now seeing like who is this person who's testifying right. in front of us yes folks uh quick break much more ahead attorney tim dodd right here on the john DePietro show A problem with your heating system call re coogan heating today 
6562. 24-hour emergency service, gas boiler, oil burner, Coogan Heating, 401-732-6562. They're helpful, trustworthy, reliable. Explore their services. Look for them on Facebook and the website is recooganheating.com. Residential services, as Coogie says, let us into your home. Don't fix it alone. Plumbing, heating, and cooling from winter to summer. Trained technicians provide 100% service, one customer at a time. From service calls, maintenance agreements, installation, RE Coogan Heating, proud to help residential customers, and they pride themselves making customer service and satisfaction a top priority. Call them today. Now it's cold. It's going to remain cold. Call Coogan Heating today, 401-732-6562. It's Coogie. It's 24-hour emergency service. Hey, not long ago. Our hot water tank gave out. What did I do? Did I panic? Did I try to fix it? I called Coogan Heating, 401-732-6562. Look for them on Facebook, and then the website is recooganheating.com. We're speaking with our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dunn. Tim, I'm just wondering if you could clarify for us. There was a a press conference, um, some state senators urging passage of this bill to protect teens from what they say are predatory adults. How, how is it that within the law that, that this would be different than what exists now as far as age of consent when it comes to, you know, they're talking, there have been some stories in the news about some teachers and, and, and things like that, but how, how would this be different than, than what's on, currently on the books right now in Rhode Island? Well, I, I think that the statute as currently drafted, you know, the, there's a world full of good intentions out there, but I think this statute, um, however well intended, has a number of problems. No, number one is, let's assume these are all kind of icky situations, but a coach or a teacher um, is Um, somehow having a relationship with a 17-year-old student athlete or student whatever. Well, at age 17, there's the age that's uh, consensual for for sexual relation purposes. So what would happen if in that situation, a 17-year-old person is engaging in sex with a authority figure or a coach um, would that be criminal? Um, currently, it would not be criminal. Right. Um, and there, there's a lot of fuzzy areas where is somebody a coach, an advisor? What, what exactly are they in relation sure. to um, the student or the young person? Um, the ACLU, to their credit, uh, is opposed to this litigation, um, this legislation, excuse me, I think they're okay with the spirit of what the legislation is trying to accomplish, but likewise came up with a number of examples where the statute could easily be misapplied to situations for which it was not intended. So it's feel-good legislation. Certainly right now, I think one of the sponsors is the senator from North Kingston, where there's all this brouhaha about their sports program. So. Politically, you can't lose if you're the senator putting forth this type of legislation, whether it's constitutional or not. Who right. cares? As a politician, it's a winner. Sure. But I think they need to go back to the drawing board, rethink the language, and come up with a better product. Because if mm. they pass this thing, I think it's doomed for um, a decision by our Supreme Court that it would be unconstitutional. Tim Dodd, the bail hearing has been postponed for Nathan Carmen. Should we read anything into that? I was surprised by that. Number one, um, he is charged with um, first-degree murder of his mother. Um, It's alleged that he murdered his grandfather, but he is not charged with that crime. So from a bail perspective, bail does two things. It's to ensure your uh, return to court, and are you a danger to the community? The prosecutors say... This guy is a danger to the community. He's already killed twice, and he's a flight risk. So he's a danger to the community. 
And if he's a flight risk, then, um, you know, his promise to return to the court might not be um, something that can be relied upon. I don't know how big of a danger he is to flee. He's got a um, federal public defender. Um, I think he got $550,000 when his grandfather died. He's blown through that money. He didn't get money for the boat. He's not getting money from his mother's estate right now. Where is he going to get this money to go on the lamb and to run away and hide? Um, I just don't necessarily see that he's a flight risk. Now, his attorneys, not the prosecutors, his attorney asked for at least a two-month continuance on his bail hearing, and they might ask for more time. And during this time, he remains in jail because they want to do a further investigation. Um, as we discussed perhaps last week, I think that uh, the prosecutors are going to have a heck of a time uh, proving right. uh, that he murdered his mother. There's no yeah. physical evidence. There's no body. There's no boat. Um, do we know if whether, when this boat went down, did mom lose her balance, fall over, hit her head, drown? Or mm. did this kid um, hit her with an oar and knock her overboard? You know, w w what was the instrumentality or the method by which she was allegedly murdered? We don't have a body. We don't have an autopsy. We don't have a boat. We don't know exactly where this, act, where this incident happened. Um, I, I think they're going to have a heck of a time getting a murder conviction. They might do okay on some of the fraud um, charges because apparently early on he gave uh, very inconsistent statements to law enforcement and he's further testified under oath in federal court in that uh, insurance claim for the boat. So you might get him on some fraud counts and he could catch some time for those. But I think unless the prosecutors know something that we generally don't know, I, I think they're going to have a very difficult time. They're not going to be able, John, to present evidence to a jury that he killed the grandfather. They can't prove it. That's right. So it's in the, it's in the indictment, but it's not something they're ever going to get to put in front of a jury because they can't oh. prove it. Tim Dodd, with the Jazzy uh, Korea case, um, it, it was it was starting to roll along, and now it's it's delayed. I believe till May twenty third because the judge came down with COVID. It, it seemed to be. I mean, it's just brutal. They're showing the, I mean, the video surveillance they have of the building and him bringing her in at four twenty three February. This was the case February twenty fourth, twenty nineteen. Um, any any impact you think that this may have this type of delay? In, in the case, in the trial? Not necessarily. I mean, okay. the, the, the danger is always that, you know, a juror will um, intentionally or unintentionally come across something in a newspaper or something online or something on TV about the case. Um, I think now that we know more clearly where the defense is going, um, their position is, that obviously this young lady left this nightclub voluntarily with this guy. Um, and on the ride home, something happens. They have an argument. Um, but did he kidnap her is one of the central issues here. If he kidnapped her and then killed her, um, you know, the, the penalties would be um, certainly much greater and he would be looking at certainly much more time. Now, He's saying she came along voluntarily. Maybe she did, but when the um, police ultimately stopped his vehicle in Delaware, you could see that the passenger side of the windshield um, was cracked or smashed in some way, which would suggest that she was kicking at the windshield, struggling with this guy. So let's assume she got in the car voluntarily and then she's, she thought he was going to drive her home. I'm making this up. And instead of driving her home, he says, no, you're coming to my place. And she says, no, I let me out. I want to go home. I want to go to your place. And they start struggling. At what point could it turn into a kidnapping situation if he continues to hold her against her will? She's not here to testify, but the forensic evidence that we've got, the car and the condition of her body 
um, it was bruised and cut, etc., would all suggest that she put up quite a fight against this guy. Um, and it appears that all the fighting took place in the car because when they got to his apartment, as we all know, he there's video of him carrying her limp body um, into his apartment um, and she never reemerged. You know, it came back out was a suitcase and we know it was in the suitcase when the cops finally stopped him. So, yeah. I mean, he's got to put on a defense. I guess it's a defense. I, based on what I've seen so far, I don't think the jury's going to buy it. Yeah. I also, we, you know, we always learn so much from these trials. One is that uh, a Providence officer had been at the building at seven o'clock, but uh, Coleman and the, the body were already gone, but testified the windows were open, scrub clean apartment was cold. Police tried to check six hours earlier while the body was still there. Coleman was at the street corner, but they were unable to access the building. You know, Tim Dodd, that's that's one of those things that uh, we had, I had been unaware of that. If they somehow could have gotten access into the building it it sure sounds that they they would have you know possibly maybe got her and found her right inside his apartment uh you know hindsight's twenty twenty, but at right. the time they would never have gotten a warrant because they didn't have right. su a sufficient okay. w way to articulate probable cause that a crime had occurred i mean mm. let's assume this young lady's friend said you know we've been calling her we don't know what happened to her she left with this guy um that might not be enough to um, get a search warrant at that time of night to get into the guy's apartment. So it's an unfortunate sequence that, you know, the cops couldn't get in there sooner, but yeah. I, I don't think they had probable cause in any of that. Folks, another quick break, much more ahead. Our legal expert attorney, Tim Dodd, right here on the John DePietro Show. Propane Plus, for heating and cooling, call Propane Plus today in Massachusetts, 508-252-3359. In Rhode Island, Propane Plus number 401-885-4209. It's the Johnson family. It's Propane Plus, the leading full-service provider of propane to Rhode Island and southeastern Mass. Not only can they install your tank and schedule propane deliveries, but they can service your entire heating, cooling system, and install any propane or natural gas appliances. Locations in East Greenwich and also in Rehoboth. Remember, Propane Plus is energy for everyone. It's affordable, sustainable, equitable, good for the environment, and also now it's renewable. Online at propaneplus.com. Propane Plus, heating and cooling. In Massachusetts, call the Rehoboth office, 508-252-3359. And in Rhode Island, 401 885-4209. You can depend on Propane Plus. We're speaking with our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, um, it's not every day you see this, but interesting headline where a Supreme Court decision for Senator Ted Cruz will now be felt in Rhode Island campaign finance. Uh, what I also find interesting about this is the Wall Street Journal, they absolutely love to go after uh, Rhode Island Senator Sheldon Whitehouse and tune him up. But um, this was, as we've talked about, Ted Cruz certainly is uh, is a legal scholar. And, and this was um, interesting how the Supreme Court weighed in. Yes, this case has to do with um, how much money a politician can um, loan a campaign and how much the politician can recoup to reimburse him or herself um, from monies that were loaned in the first instance to a campaign. Um, the federal law prior to this case was that a candidate could only reimburse themselves $250,000. Rhode Island went one step further to say a candidate could only reimburse themselves from um, fundraising $200,000. So let's assume that a candidate puts up a million dollars of his or her own money in Texas, let's forget Rhode Island. So that candidate having put up a million dollars could only reimburse him or herself $250,000 from funds raised during the course of the campaign. The Supreme Court determined that that was effectively an unreasonable infringement on free speech and that it was um, unconstitutional to cap how much 
a politician could reimburse him or herself. Um, the limitation that had previously existed um, would be potentially a detriment to a candidate wanting to loan him or herself a lot of money because they know they can only recoup 250 of it. Yep. So now let's assume you loaned yourself $5 million and your campaign ultimately raised $10 million. Well, you could take arguably that 5 million of that money to reimburse yourself for money that you had loaned to your campaign. Now it's interesting um, in Rhode Island, I think it was uh, the gentleman from Common Cause said, if you give money to a campaign, it's used to pay for things like advertising. But if you're giving the money and the uh, donor knows that the candidate's going to use it to repay a debt, um, isn't that like giving money directly to the candidate so they can feather their own nest? Well, it's only repaying a loan. It's not to give them a bigger bank account. It's to restore their bank account. I mean, the candidate can't take more money back out of a campaign account than what they put into it. Right. So this notion that you're aligning the pockets of a candidate and increasing their wealth, I think is a misstatement of fact. Um, and it's not really what happens. I think that the Supreme Court saying, look, if, if a person wants to loan their campaign $5 million and then hope that they're successful and they raise enough money to get some, some or all of it back, why should they not be able to do it? What's the reason for this artificial limitation? And that's where the unreasonable, unreasonable infringement comes in. Hmm. Tim, again, folks, we're speaking with our legal expert attorney, Tim Dodd. Tim, it seems that the uh, 2020 election uh, will just never go away. But this is different, where uh, this case in Wisconsin, where the Wisconsin voters are suing the state's, quote, Baker electors who fought the 2020 election result. Well, yeah, the, the fake electors were electors who were pledged to uh, President Trump, who attempted to... Um, submit an alternate slate of electors for consideration by the state of Wisconsin on the theory that um, the vote count in um, Wisconsin had been manipulated on the theory that President Trump had actually won. And these electors who were pledged to President Trump were trying to put their slate before um, the appropriate uh, election official in the state of Wisconsin. This happened also in a few other states. It was um, an ill-fated plan. I don't think it was well thought out. Um, the um, voters who are now suing these um, Trump electors, these purported Trump electors, are suing these people, I think, in the aggregate for like two or three million dollars. And again, it's an attempt, I think, to stop similar types of behavior from occurring in the 2022 or the 2024, excuse me, not 2022, that's midterms, 2024 presidential cycle to not have something like that happen again. Um, I understand the theory for it to try to tamp down on this type of activity. Clearly the Trump electors were in the wrong. Their candidate was not determined to be the winner. So when they put themselves out there saying that we're the legitimate electors, it, this wasn't a true statement of fact, John. It just, it's not. Right. So will these electors ultimately, these Trump electors ultimately have to pay some money damages to get rid of this thing? Um, I would assume so. And if Wisconsin is successful, I think there's about seven other states where similar uh, a similar situation happened where the Trump slate tried to force its way to say, you should accept our slate because we think our guy actually won. And as we know, all of these claims of improper vote counts, uh, people can have their suspicions, but they could never produce the facts. That's right. Folks, we're going to leave it there. He is our legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, great job as always. And uh, we will talk to you again. Thanks, John. Take care. time means grill time and for the best grill get a new grill stop in and see my friends 
Jay's Broadway Appliance and TV. J apostrophe S, Broadway Appliance and TV, located 47 Cedar Swamp Road. That's Route 5, Smithfield. You can call them 401-949-7800. Springtime, summer, this is the best time to grill outside. They have a great selection on grills. They also have a great selection on all appliances. Family-run business since 1963. Remember, you're going to deal directly with the owner and they will match or beat any package deal when it comes to appliances. Do you need a new refrigerator? How about a new dishwasher, washing machine, dryer, oven, microwave, Jay's Broadway Appliance? Look for them online at jsappliance.com, also on Facebook. Springtime, summer is grill time. Stop in and see them. They're open Monday through Friday from 10 to 5. You can make an appointment for more personal Saturday and Sunday appointments jay's broadway appliance and tv 401-949-7800 better yet drive in and see them 47 cedar swamp road route 5 in smithfield portion of the program brought to you by the coesed inn check them out on the website depetro.com the coesed inn or Rhode island tradition since 1977 located 226 coesed avenue in west warwick whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge, whether a nice dinner or even just appetizers. There's always a great crowd. You can link directly to them, and gift certificates are available. The Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. Thing to the John DePietro Show, it's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at our website, dipietro.com. Folks, visit the website. On the website, you'll see all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook or YouTube instagram even TikTok. plus you if you want to reach me that's the best way to do it we have unique original stories videos contact log on right at the website dipetro.com brothers disposal call them today 401-688-0517 brothers disposal get a dumpster in your driveway you can clean out unwanted belongings maybe clean out your garage clean out your basement clean out your attic old toys old things you don't even use anymore old furniture it's so much easier when you have a dumpster delivered right to your home and then they'll take it away when you're done whether it's for a weekend for a week for a month brother's disposal call brother roland today at 401-688-0517 401-688-0517 come on brother call brother's disposal look for them on facebook they have those purple dumpsters they're also now offering weekly trash collection services call brother's disposal today whether it's a small household construction project or maybe just cleaning out some unwanted belongings get a dumpster in your driveway or business brother's disposal 401-688-0517 to check out our website dipetro.com petro.com which is sponsored by and brought to you by the Senadale revival comfort food and cocktails located 2025 smith street in north providence shane and his crew what a wonderful job they've done winner of several rhode island best of awards best of rhode island awards the Senadale revival delicious food cocktails a lot of fun stop it and see them 2025 smith street in north providence <laughs> 